Welcome to part two of our interview with Zax Roy Piram, founder of Sati Foundation. If you haven't heard part one, do go back and listen to episode 15 on the podcast to get up to date. This is without doubt one of my favorite interviews so far on the podcast. In an environment where it's tough to get a break in life, Zax and his team do great and important work in providing more than just handouts. Sati provides opportunity for those in Bangkok, especially the city's youth that didn't get dealt great cards in life. And Sati gives them the opportunity to learn, develop and become strong and independent, which is everything this podcast stands for. If you have a business that would like to help people in Bangkok who haven't been offered much opportunity, do reach out to Zach's. You can contact him at his email address, which is in the show notes of the episode. Also, if you'd like to donate goods or just your time, then Zach's would really appreciate that. So do reach out. Enjoy today's interview, which is part two of our chat with Zach's Roy Piram of Sati Foundation. Welcome to the Build Your Base podcast. We are very happy today to welcome back Zax from Broccoli Revolution and Satsi. If you haven't heard the first part of our interview, do go back to that episode. We talk all about Broccoli Revolution, the story, and how Base came to work with Broccoli. We did talk a little bit in the last episode about Satsi, the charity that you started, and some of the other great work that you do at Broccoli. Just want to delve a little bit deeper into that today because you do so much good work for Bangkok and Thailand. It's definitely a message that I really want to help to get out. So first tell us again, if anyone hasn't heard the first episode, what is Satsi, what do you guys do, and just how that organization started. I guess it's kind of been like a lifelong dream. Like uh, I wanted to you know, start a nonprofit, but I wasn't sure. When I was younger, I thought it was going to be like kind of maybe like a Doctors Without Borders. Maybe you go up in the mountains and you, you know, help kids. I actually grew up like working and volunteering for another non- a lot of nonprofits. Like ever since high school, like uh, in high school, I volunteered at a hospital and I was, I was a kid, so they had like these Nintendo, rolling Nintendos. So I, I was working in the HIV ward for kids with young kids with HIV and AIDS. So I'd go from room to room and play video games with them, you know, just like as a volunteer. I got to college, I volunteered at like, you know, environment places, uh, at risk youths, uh, New York Cares, like runaways. So uh, I kind of, I grew up, grew up in that environment. My family's very like, uh, like socially involved. So I kind of, it was like kind of instilled in me from a young age of like, hey, you know, when you're, you're at a, uh, when you're able to, you know, you have to give back to society. I just didn't know when that would be. So I always thought maybe I'd work like 60 or something and retire and, and have some money <laughs> and start a nonprofit. But, but it, you know, life changes. I, I came you back. cooling. Yeah, I came back to Thailand. Uh, I was still in I was still in school, and I came back. It was the year of the big floodings. I don't know. I don't know if we in Thailand. Yeah, it was, here, yeah. Yeah, it, was it was pretty bad. It was, <laughs> and I was in. A, I came back to be a monk actually, and, and I actually after I left the temple, I couldn't get back to Bangkok. It was in the countryside, and because the Bangkok was literally like flooded, and and, and uh, when I got back, I was volunteering, uh, uh, going out for the floods, and I had to go back to school, and I was like, you know what? There's, you know, I don't know when that day is going to come where, where I can, you know, start that nonprofit, you know, and I don't know how long that's going to take. You know, life changes, you know. You get, you get a job, you have a family, from one car it becomes two cars, from one house it becomes, you know, it's like you're always going to have something else. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to come back now. I may not, I may not have, like, the money, but I have, I have the dream and the passion. So I, after fin- I finished school, I came back and I started, like, Sati, like, super basic, you know, just going up in the mountains, mostly went up north, Chiang Rai. Uh, so Sati as, as a whole, we do healthcare and education for underserved and at-risk youths. So how I usually divide it up is uh, underserved is mostly outside of Bangkok. So it's like the low-income uh, low families, like the farming families, the tribal schools. 
So these are group, these are a lot not by the border. So we go to Mount San, Chiang Rai, Chiang Mai, Isan. We call it like preventive care. So uh, uh, water, sanitation, nutrition. We have tons of base volunteers. I mean, like Shah is like one of our super volunteers. Let's say Shah comes and she'll do like a mini base camp. What we try to instill in the kids is it's not just about exercising, but it's about like you know one, you have options. Like you can be an athlete, or you can be a trainer, you can do many things. Two is just about building that that sense of confidence and awareness in their body and their mind, and I think that's that's very important for kids because they get lost in in their in the environment or in their phones. So you know we do uh, um, even in some of the poor yeah neighborhoods. in the poor neighborhoods uh, if it's outside of Bangkok you know, they don't have phones as much but they're they're kind of in clothes where you know I love farming I think farming is a, a great thing but but sometimes kids are not they don't realize that they have other options so it's like hey. Uh, in Thai, learning is like learning how to read. So sometimes kids go to school like sixth grade, tenth uh, grade, and they stop going to school because their parents are like, "Hey, you can read. You know, now come and work on the farm." But uh, which is nothing wrong with that. But we'd like to at least give them the options of like, "Hey, you can do whatever you want. Hey, you want to be an astronaut? What, what, is, what does that entail? You know?" And then uh, we have scholarship kids. You're kind of opening their minds. Yeah. So the the outside of the country is more of the the preventive part because these are the kids who are kind of at risk of, of possibly running away from home, getting into drugs. In, in Bangkok, we work with, it's called at-risk youth. So at-risk youth are kids who already uh, have run away from home, like uh, street kids, uh, kids in uh, drug abuse, drug-addicted kids, and kids in uh, sex trafficking and, 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 and prostitution. So these kids are, um, they're you know, a little more difficult, a lot more difficult, but, but uh, it's their environment. You know, a lot of them have grown up in an environment where their parents are drug abusers or they're, or they're surrounded by that. So it's the same thing. One, we run workshops also, but one is uh, also to let them know they have options. Like your only op your, your option is you can do other things by besides selling drugs. You know, you can do other things by besides selling your body. If they were to work, you know, uh, a minimum wage job, let's say, you know, at, at Mini Mart right, or Seven Eleven, they make uh, three hundred and forty baht a day for like ten hours. If they were to sell their body, they can make a thousand uh, baht for fifteen minutes. So how do how do how do you say, hey, you know, don't do that, go do that? Uh, we never go in, I never go in and be like, hey, that's wrong. Uh, by counting them, we say, okay, do you know what the danger is of you selling your body? You know, do you know if what happens with unprotected sex? You know, if you get HIV, you know what happens. So provide them with all the information to know that what their dangers are. Two is when they're ready to talk and they're like, you know, do you actually want to be doing this? No, I, I want to do something else, but I don't know what to do in my life. You know, that's where the workshops come in. We do everything from photography, art therapy, we do cooking classes, we do Muay Thai classes, we do dance classes, all with the same thing in mind. Like they look, they all look different, but it all has the same goal. I, I look at it in like tiers. So step one, uh, they're with us for two hours, let's say, from other week. Uh, they're not out there selling themselves, they're not out there selling drugs. Two is, are they having fun? Are they happy? Uh, three is, uh, are they learning a skill? Maybe if it's photography, maybe they're learning about lighting and shadowing. Four is maybe they get a job. Maybe they can work in a film crew. You know, they can be a cameraman. Five is they actually get an occupation. They can be a photographer one day. So it's like everything is, is tier-based, and it's about kind of each, each kid has a different level. So if they're drug addicted, then how do we get them, draw them away? Because a lot of times, kids are not actually addicted to drugs. A lot of kids I met, they're actually just bored. It sounds weird, but it's, I have, they have nothing to do. All the other kids around them are getting drunk and getting high. So hey, that, that's what we do. So how do, how do we pull that from that? Sports, activities, different things. So our egos are, I think people commonly misunderstand the meaning of the ego and the id. They say your ego is like, if someone has a big ego, it's like they're, they're very like pompous. But, but often our ego is our reflection, you know? So it, it, it reflects- So they build up their ego a bit. Yeah. 
uh, when we uh, growing up in our environment, it's like if we do a good job, we get a good grade. You know, you go to school, you get an A. If you do a good job, your parents pat you on the back, like good job. Here's a present. If you do a bad job, you get a bad grade. Uh, your parents yell at you. You know what I mean? You, we grow up in a in an organized society, so that that those those positive and negative reinforcements actually builds our our ego, our reflection. So it, you're, everybody's like this and this. So some people are like this, some people are like this, some people are like this. But these kids are all like this on the bottom. They're on the bottom because they never had anything positive. One boy I know, he has a tattoo that says "Con Leo." It means like bad person, like trash. Like Leo is like really bad. He's 16 and he has that tattoo because he's never been given any value. So why why wouldn't they sell their bodies? Because they don't see any value in that. But I mean, imagine like learning to do what Cha can do or learning to jump really high. I mean, these it sounds like very minimal, but it actually adds it adds that little plus. And how how do we get them not not so they're super ego, but how do they get we get them just to be regular, you know, balanced? Do you find that when they do take a great photo, yeah. or they do see progress in yeah. their lives, can you see the positive effect that that yeah. has on them? Why, why would we not sell our bodies? Because we, we think that we have, it's our body, it has value. We had this one photo workshop, right? And, uh, and we had, each week the kids would learn a different skill. And then once they learn a different skill, we would have a photographer come in with a different skill, like portrait, uh, landscape. One week we had like a fashion photographer come in to teach them. And instead of letting the kids be the photographers, I flipped the script and I let them be the models. And we had a bunch of Thai brands donate clothes. We had a makeup artist come in, Perry Pai. Perry, she's one of the base clients. She came in and she uh, you know, did uh, makeup. And there was this moment where I walked into the room and imagine being a kid, you're sitting there and you have someone doing your makeup, you have another person doing your hair and you have three other people like on you. You know, I saw their eyes light up. You know, that, that's what, like self-value, they were, they're like, you know, they felt really important once in their lives. And that's, that's the feeling we're trying to get us at the Like how do we give, give kids that feeling that they never had so they can be like, hey, I, I'm a human being. I don't need to do these bad things to myself. I can, I can go work hard, I can do this, I can do that, you know. When you say, hey, oh, you look great, or you look strong, or hey, that's a really nice kick, they, they look at you like, like, are you lying, you know. So they never have that. Because they've never had that positive reinforcement. We take that for granted, you know, the, how much positivity we have in our lives. Other than, the, you know, the healthcare and education is what I use as a wide umbrella. For like, that's a quick speech. Well, what does it they do, healthcare and education? But the real core goals is two things. Choices, giving kids choices, which they didn't have, and two is building their self-esteem, so they can empowerment. So that's the core of Sati. The Sati works very well with broccoli in terms of broccoli giving them opportunities yeah. to earn and to develop and to get this positive reinforcement. Yeah. Do you think generally Bangkok and Thai businesses could do a better job with giving these people opportunities? I think so. Uh, so one of the new programs that we start, well, we were supposed to start this year before, like literally in March, and then COVID happened is uh, we, we're we going to do a training. Uh, we're going to work in detention centers. So youth, youth detention centers. We're going to do workshops there. So the reason why I decided to go to the youth detention centers is because a lot of the, a lot of the kids I work with, they, they've been detained. Like they were in and out of jail, either for drug abuse or like burglary. So what happens when they come out is, uh, and this is firsthand from them, I'll be like, okay, um, they'll, they'll go apply for jobs. And, and most people will not give them a job. And then like, they just go back to that cycle. And they have no friends, so they have either, there's two options now, either go back to your old friends who are causing trouble, or go back to your new friends which you met in jail. So, so either way, it's not, it's not a good, good direction. So um, this year I'm hoping to build more awareness about like, you know, giving kids more jobs, giving them more chances. And two, we're gonna go in and prepare them for when they come out. So it can just be like, you know, whether it's physical activity or we're learning to be a barista or learning to cook, to try to build that, that line of, hey, you know what? You, learn, you know how to make coffee now. When you come out, we're gonna have five coffee shops that are ready to accept you. 
train you. But the, the, the owner or the business owner needs to really understand the sensitivity of these kids. That's the hardest part. You know? It's not just about, hey, here's a job. Yeah. Right. Well, hopefully some Bangkok business owners are listening to this yeah. and they yeah. can get involved in the scheme as well. Yeah. We will leave details on how to contact you, Zach, in the show notes of the episode. Can you tell us about maybe some of the individual successes that you've had yeah. with Sati, like some of the kids you've worked with, some of the times they've really yeah. you know, come through difficulties to, to yeah. get through to the other side? So we have, uh, we have scholarship kids. So the goal of these kids is we, we send them most, some of them to school. If, if you're a scholarship student which we send to school, you're, you have to volunteer when you have time off or when you're available. The goal is actually to, to, to build character, like learning, teaching kids how to give back. So when the, these kids who've had uh, difficult times, when they're, when they're able to get supported and have, you know, go to school and, and do different things, when they go teach other kids and they see the kids that used to be in their position, it's like there's this sincerity that comes out that can't be taught. So uh, like with our scholarship program, we want to build, build that mentality with the kids who, who, who had a hard time and they have a, a better life now. Our first scholarship student, uh, she was with us since, I want to say uh, Ma, Ma Song, it's like about 10th grade. She lives in like a, a slum area in Lapau. Uh, behind Wat Bung Tong lines, like there's a big slum area there. Her father's a motorcycle taxi, makes you know a couple hundred baht a day. Her mother does like uh, handiwork. So uh, she's been our scholarship student since tenth grade. This year she just grad, like she's graduate, she just graduated like this month, a couple months ago, even though uh, from pharmacy school. So she's a uh, like she just got wow. her first job. Yeah, this last month she got her first job. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I was actually planning on flying to. She went. To, she goes went to school in Payao to go to her diploma ceremony, but you know, with COVID, things are closed, but she's an amazing kid. She's working as a pharmacist now. And, and, and How did you first get connected with her? I was a monk. I was a monk twice, but the first time I was a monk, I, have, I still have, he's my monk, like my monk teacher. But he's an elder monk, and he does, he teaches school, uh, Buddhism at a, at a school in the, in the slums in, in Lapau. And I had this conversation with him way back. I was still in, in the US. The kids in these schools, what are they, in your school, what are they like, you know? He's like, oh, you know, it's very difficult for them. They don't really have opportunities. The education system for their public school isn't great. So a lot of them don't get to go on and do things they want to. And I'm like, oh, you know, if, if you meet any kids in your class that you feel that, you know, need support, please let me know, you know. So he introduced me to this young girl. And then Sati wasn't really up yet, so I was supporting her on my own. You know, we have several students in, in different scenarios. Uh, but she, she was definitely one of our success stories, and I hope maybe she can be the, the CEO. She doesn't know this, but maybe she can be the CEO of Siti one day. Okay, yeah. wow. But we want, they want, Siti eventually wants to be, I want it to be for the kids. So these kids who grew up in the system were running. Uh, most of the kids are doing pretty well. Uh, one of the students we ha have is uh, from a, a rough area in Hulung uh, um, her, her mother was in sex working, and we met her. I met her through one of our programs. And, and she, we, she was a really talented photographer, and, uh, and then she went missing for a year. And she went missing just because uh, they couldn't pay for their housing and had to kind of squat here and there. When, when I, we found her again, she, we, we brought her in as a, our scholarship student, and she, she's in high school now. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she's still, still going to school. Uh, she works in, with us at my other place. I have a cafe. Uh, uh, we also run in that place called Not Cafe, a newer project. We, I've opened up about a year, a little over a year, and we run that as a training center. So kids in Sati uh, train to be baristas, train to be cooks, uh, do the so she works there after school now. She's doing quite well. Uh, from a very reclusive girl who was like didn't talk to people now, she's becoming a teenager and being you know more open and stuff. So that's awesome. No, it's really great to hear, and it's yeah. really awesome work. And I really do hope that these kind of stories really serve as inspiration for other people in their community, yeah. right? And I think that's what can be so powerful about yeah. this. One thing that I feel Thailand is missing a little bit is there's a lack of rags to riches stories. You know, yeah. someone who really overcame yeah. adversity in a difficult life 
to really make it yeah. big. And I think that's something that America does so well. Yeah, yeah. I think the more of these success stories yeah. that we have, the more other kids hopefully will see it and say, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. this is possible for me too. You know, it's great to affect five or 10 people and that's awesome and that's five or 10 lives you change, yeah. but it can have a knock-on effect yeah, yeah. to others in their community as well. It's important for these kids to understand that, you know, they, they, they can have, a, they can be contributing people to society, mm -hmm. they can give back, but they have to be at that level where they're ready. So it's just about building, instilling in, 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 in those kids, in the society and being like, hey, it's, it's not about giving away a lot of money or stuff, it's about just kind of like building that positivity and, 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 and a network of, hey, being, being conscious of the problems around us, you know, and like supporting each other, you know. Yeah, building that self-worth, as yeah, you said, self, which is yeah. obviously lacking in these communities, and yeah. just kind of building a life that you can be proud yeah. of. So It's hard not to judge people, you know? I, I, I feel like a lot of the kids I see, they're, they're, I mean, really, really rough lives, you know? Born into prostitution next door and drug. I know kids who are born, in, born into brothels. Like it's a, but that's their norm. Your, our norm, we can't use our norm to, to judge a person's norm because they didn't grow up, they didn't grow up like us. I, I, I grew up quite privileged, I admit that. Like, I, my parents supported me, I got to go to any school I wanted to. You know, I, I got to study in the US, I, I grew up with many options. They just always told me that, hey, when you have the ability, you gotta realize that you can give back. They don't have options like we do. Selling drugs is what everybody else in their community does. You know, so it so seems like an easy option. I guess. Yeah, and it's and it's not because they know it's not about right or wrong. Yeah, oh, yeah. Know? right or wrong is only within the societal context. You know, they don't. If, if everybody in your society is doing that, then does that make even if it's illegal? Does that you mentally that you you see that as being wrong? You know. Uh, judgment is a big thing we do in, in all societies, and, and, and I think it's important point to, to kind of reduce that mentality of judging people. I think all, you see that going on in the world. It's tough, right? Especially here in Thailand, yeah. I think. But anywhere in the world. Yeah, like you see America and everything going around, riots. I mean, it's, it all comes from judgment, whether you're going to judge people by the color of the skin or the money they make, or, you know, or, yeah, it's all judging. You're just judging, you know. People. I think that's why, you know, podcasts like this are great. We can help yeah. to get the message out and educate people yeah. a little bit more and just think about these things. Yeah. A little bit more, but no, really great to hear some of the successes of, of Sati. Tell us a bit more about how these communities have been affected in the last few months of COVID nineteen. Yeah. Of course, COVID hasn't hit Thailand hard, yeah. but I'm sure the economic ramifications have yeah. still been there. Yeah, yeah. So when March happened, we had uh, had uh, had a bunch of city projects. The detention center. We had we're actually building a sustainable dorm in Mount Son with their villagers, and then you know COVID hits and everything is like canceled. You know, <laughs> like I couldn't get into detention centers. Like you know, we lost funding for the dorm. Everything was. Do we wait it out, or or and then obviously it was becoming an issue where we couldn't wait it out. So with Sati, I was trying to figure out what, what we're most comfortable with, and we're 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 good at management, like developing sustainable projects and kind of like linking and building them on, like linking with base and doing things. So I, I linked up with a couple of nonprofits and organizations I know. One is like a SOS, it's a food surplus nonprofit, and they do food uh, food distribution. So they have uh, they'll have donors like hotels, five star hotels. Uh, supermarkets to donate food surplus and they'll give to uh, needed communities. And then there's another group called USL, Urban Studies Lab. They do, they're like a think tank. They do uh, community development and data collecting. Uh, Sati and the other two organizations got together and we, we developed a COVID relief plan. So over the last couple of months, three months, we've been, uh, we've been running a COVID relief uh, project where we would go into uh, communities that were mapped out already. So we get, there was given a score according to uh, income, age and density and develop like the most red areas in Bangkok. So we've been hitting out, hitting all, I've been like, you see I'm super tan from not at the beach, I haven't been at the beach, <laughs> but I've, we've been out in communities, you know, seeing what the problems are and donating relief packs. So now we're donating about 2,400 families per week. We've already donated over uh, 20, uh, over 30,000 families, I believe, I have to double check, but around there. 
And so it's more looking at the economic devastation, yeah. right? Yeah, because it's important to see the difference because medically wise, people have to go to the doctor, you know, they have to go to the hospital. That's something that the government is taking care of. But, but the ec economic standpoint, uh, so there's so many people in Thailand who live off of like daily wages. What that means is like, they, you know, if you're a noodle shop, you go buy your ingredients at the market. Then you go sell, sell with that and then that's your profit and that's what you use to buy food for you or pay your rent. So there's so many daily wage owners who've been like hit. Uh, they, don't, you know, they, don't, they don't have money to eat, which I didn't realize until actually going to the communities that it was that extreme. One, people don't have money to eat. I went to, recently I went to unregistered community. They, uh, they're, they're a garbage collecting community. So they live in a garbage dump and they collect garbage and they sell it. Usually, you know, they sell by pound, like uh, coppers, like, like 100, like 40 baht, plastic. So they, they sell that and then they, that's what they have to eat per day. Maybe they make 100 baht per day. Not even garbage they can't sell. You know? so, so there's people who are, are just, you know, they, they're, they're, they're starving literally. And then there's so many people who, culturally wise, people don't save money that much in Thailand. First month, the most hardest hits were the richest and the poorest. Because the richest who are used to making billions, they're like, hey, from 10 billion, you can see the difference to 9 billion to 8. And that's a big jump. And then you have the super poor who are living off their daily earnings where all of a sudden they had no money for food. Because the first month the office workers weren't feeling it yet, you know? Because they're still getting their salaries, you know? So people are still getting salaries. And then the second month you start to see like people who, uh, their salaries are getting cut. And then the third month people are losing their jobs. So you're seeing this big domino effect. Even though, okay, the country is opening up, people have less, health-wise people are better, but economic-wise we're still in, in, a, in a red area. So there's still people who, who, who need, need the, the support. So, so like the more, Places I go to, the more I see uh, motorcycle taxis. So I, everywhere I go, I ask like, okay, so what is your, uh, what percentage are you down? We were talking about this before. Like, what percentage is your business down? And I, the, the number I've been getting mostly is like seventy to eighty percent. So from making like you know a hundred baht a day, they're making like twenty baht a day, two hundred baht from a thousand to Yeah, people who usually make like a thousand, you know, on average, they're making like two hundred. That has a knock-on effect to the community. Yeah. Right? You know, so it's like boom, 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 you know, uh, people are, you know. But I think these are all of the workers that got laid off pretty much straight away, right? Yeah. Like a lot of F&B workers are just like, yeah, come back in three months. Yeah. Anyone working in bars or yeah. nightclubs. And, you know, just people, they, you know, people have iPhones that are, they're, you know, like they're financing. They have right. apartments, they have cars, like that is a common thing with any society. The thing about the, the debt, like, you know, first month they give you the letter, second month, by third month you're getting stuff confiscated, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a big thing with rent, and you know, if you're living in like an apartment or a condo. So it's you, you can see like people people are so very very affected, you know. And and uh, what what you know what we try to do with the relief is we try to help them the poorest. And it's not much, but you know, like for instance, uh, canned fish and rice, five kg. That that's like about uh, what we have in a pack is about thirty meals for one individual. If it's a family of four, it can last them about a week. So if they can save money on, on that. And then they can, you know, use their money for other things, or hopefully, you know, help reinject them to start. If their noodle shop isn't making a lot of money yet, you know, maybe they have no customers the first couple of days. And so yeah, it's been it's been pretty rough for, for these communities, and hope, hopefully, hoping things will get a little better now that they're opening up more. Hope so. COVID hasn't hit Thailand particularly hard, which is yeah. good news. But I yeah. think the economic, economic fallout is, will continue yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, I think for sure. You mentioned there are a couple of you know five star hotels that have been helping out with some of the efforts. Do you want to give any shout outs to any Bangkok businesses that have either been helping out financially, perhaps, yeah. but also like importantly, I think giving those opportunities yeah. for these some of these kids to sort of you know get a normal life. Besides base, you know, pretty much, so Shah, Brent, like so many of the staff, Jonah, so, so with the COVID project, right, we, there's a lot of manual labor involved. I mean, we're, we're, we're delivering 2,400 relief packs a week. That's, uh, each pack has five kgs of rice. So that's like tons of rice. 
so so we had this uh, you know they come in and they're lifting so we have uh, so many different volunteers uh, so we run we run we run our donation base to uh, it's a it's a something called social giver social giver is a platform a donation platform it's like a crowdfunding and they do uh, services so they're a really really good partner because um, transparency is really important to me so in our program it's like hey people want to donate they want to help where's that money going to so by having social givers our platform they they are uh, they, they audit so they so people can know like hey every penny is going to help the kids or the, the families so I mean there, there's there's almost too many uh, too many people to, to to list because I'm afraid to say the companies because then I'm, I know I'm going to forget yeah. Yeah, yeah. but but I mean like you guys all know you who you are because because uh, the reason why I said the in a lot of the programs we've done and been able to last been able to be around for this long and to be able to grow is is we have so many so many good supporters like Last year we did a campaign with AP, Condo, like we have all these really, really, uh, really good companies that come in and, and I have to admit I'm a bit difficult when a company comes to us because I'm not big into uh, like CSR, like like CSR as, as the image, you know, if a company wants to come and be like, hey, let's come and take pictures, like, right. you know what I mean, I, I'm really, really against that, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I don't There's like, some substance yeah, substance with, so when, the first thing when a company comes to me, I'm like, hey, what are your skill sets? You know, it doesn't have to be money. Of course, we need money, but it's like, let's say uh, we're building a dorm in, in Mount Song. Let's say they're, they're a construction company. Hey, can you donate your construction staff? You know what I mean? Like, because we, eventually we have to pay for that anyways. So, so the, these, these people... Are they very receptive to that? Yeah, so most companies, if they come to approach us, they, I think they, a lot of them know what, what, what we're about. That's good. So, so we've been very lucky to have a lot of synergy. You know, and then the ones who don't know that they just don't come, or okay. are the ones that, that uh, I don't think they probably would care. I probably wouldn't approach. I just looking for a photo of. Yeah, which which ends up being more tiring than anything. You know, because right, right. then you take your babysitting. That doesn't really help anyone. Yeah, and you're babysitting, and then something that's very important is uh, as a nonprofit to be, or it's very important to, to empower kids. If you go to a village, there's villages in Thailand who they like nonprofit after nonprofit is going to give them stuff. They're, you're growing up and thinking that you're poor. You're th growing up and thinking that you need a handout. Uh, the person handing out stuff is, is you're developing a child who doesn't think they have any value. We don't support that. Like, we don't go, hey, let's get a bunch of blankets together, let's get together, and let's give it to all these poor kids who have no blankets. Everything has to be with a lesson. It has to be with a workshop. It has to be with synergy. Uh, if, I, if we do a water project, I'll ask the principal, uh, where do you normally get money? Uh, water. They're like, okay, we. We buy water. Okay, how much water do you buy per day? Okay, how much do you buy per day? Okay, we spend 30000 baht a year to buy a bottle of water. I'm like, if we develop a water system for you, you won't have to buy water anymore. Uh, that 30000 baht, what are you going to do with it? If they can't answer that question to me, we don't do it. That's how you develop corruption too. Because that money, all of a sudden, there's that 30000 baht. It's just laying there. And then he may have not taken it in the past, but now, you know, he had, he's, maybe he's in debt and this and that. And you, all of a sudden, you think you're doing something good. But you're actually developing a system of people like being corrupt, developing kids being not, you know, not empowering the kids. So, so when these companies come, it's important for them to know that hey, we're not going there to act like we're better than them. We're going there to tell them all we're all human beings. Hey, I'm going to help you with some water, but you have to, you the teachers, you the principal, you the kids, you have to study, and you have to work hard so you can be whoever you want to be. You know? So I think that's that's thing. I think that's lost in the not in the big picture a lot of times. You know? yeah. I think it's definitely an important message yeah. and I think it's also good um, 
that people know where their money is going. You know, it's not enough to just donate yeah. to a cause or a charity and just yeah. feel good about it, but to know that that charity is being transparent yeah. with how they're investing it, yeah. how they're building, you know, these kids and these communities up. So that's really great. Yeah. Thank you, Zach, yeah. so much for sharing your your, your story on Saturday yeah. and everything that you do. If a business owner is listening or anyone's listening yeah. and wants to help out, what's the best way to reach out? I and think uh, so. We have a yeah, social media. We uh, we have a Instagram, Satifan, S A T I F O U N D. We have a Facebook, so Sati Nonprofit. Uh, you can email me S A K S O N at Sati S A T I dot O R dot T H. So yeah, those are probably the three main ones. Cool. We'll leave all of that in the show notes. And just before we sign yeah. off, what does Sati mean or Sati? Oh, okay, Sati is a it's an old Buddhist Pali word. It means mindfulness. The the big goal is to just be mindful of not just the the, the solution, but also the problems. Around you, so we, we we try to develop that mindset in everything you do, and I think that that allow you to be do more more positive things if you're mindful. Okay, that's great. A great note to sign off on. Yeah. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks. Thanks, Jack.